0: you'll turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. We're continuing in our series on the blessed life. I don't know if you heard about the um, $1 bill and the $100 bill walking down the street. There was a $1 bill and a $100 bill walking down the street and they bumped into each other, started talking. Hey, I had not seen you in a long time. How's it been going? One dollar bill said to the one hundred dollar bill, what you been doing lately? The one hundred dollar bill said, man, I've been to Paris. I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to Disney World. I'm just having a great time. I'm just having a blast. And so the one hundred dollar bill then said to the one dollar bill, what have you been doing lately? And the one dollar bill said, oh, same old thing for me. Church, church, church. Uh, we need to get out of the habit of tipping God. We need to get in the habit of giving. Giving from a a, a grateful heart. And so that's what we've been talking about in The Blessed Life. It affects every area of your life. Every area. When God does a work in our hearts, see, we're born takers. We're born-again givers. But we have to renew our minds. And when God does a work in our hearts and we begin to give, because we want to. And we become cheerful givers. That's when we know God's done the work in our hearts. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, let me ask you something. Um, does God want us to plan for the future? Absolutely. How can we, though, have plans for the future that are godly? And how can we have faith for the future? Think about this. Is God concerned about our future? Does He have thoughts about our future? The Bible says... He has good thoughts for us and good plans for us in the future. And there's nothing wrong with us planning for the future. The only thing that's wrong is if we plan with fear and not faith. That's the only thing that's wrong. God wants us to have faith for the future. And the only way we can have faith is by hearing and obeying the Word of God. That's it. In other words, if we make plans for our future apart from what the Bible says, then our plans are based on fear, not on faith. But if we hear the Word and we obey the Word and make plans according to the Word of God, then we can have faith for the future and no fear. No fear. I know that's a term now that uh, I, I think the younger generation came up with it. No fear. But I think God came up with it long before that. Because every time He'd see the disciples and every time He'd show up in the Old Testament, He'd normally start it this way. Fear not. In other words, have no fear. I am here. (laughs) I just thought of that. That's a little poem there. That's that's extra, okay? Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to talk about how we can have faith for the future. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, He who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. It is a hard issue. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you... Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, we're going to read verse 8 again, and we're going to do an exegesis of verse 8. In other words, we're going to pick it apart and look at all of verse 8. The reason is, verse 8 has some of the most profound, unbelievable truth in it of any verse in the Bible. This is an amazing verse. If we catch this verse, no more fear. If we catch this verse, it changes everything about the way we sow and reap. It changes, it's going to change our marriage. It's going to change our health. It's going to change our family, our relationships, our faith, our quiet time with God, our witnessing, everything, if we can catch this verse. This is an incredible verse in the Bible. So let, let's just pick it apart just a little bit. I want you to notice. Look at verse 8 now. And God is able. God is able. Do we really believe that God is able? Well, if we did, we'd be sowing bountifully. (laughs) The reason we sow sparingly is because we really don't believe God's able. Let me give you a little, we'll we'll go back to verse a minute. Let me just give you a little uh, illustration about this. I was in a restaurant a while back, and I like to tip. I I like to reward people. Now, there are times I I don't like to tip. You know, there are times that, you know, like uh, Debbie likes Sonic. Because she likes the ice there, you know. That little, how many y'all like that little, that I Okay. Well, I don't like Sonic because that drink's now going to cost me $1.39. It's going to cost me $2 because I feel bad for the little girl that brings the drink out. So, you know, anytime I go to Sonic, I'm thinking this is going to cost more than if I just went to McDonald's. You know, you don't have to tip at McDonald's, you know. So, I, I like tipping most of the time. But the reason I think I do is because I like to reward people. The staff will tell you, I love to reward people. If you do a good job and you work for me, you're going to be rewarded for that job. And I like to reward people. And I'm in a restaurant a while back, and the waiter was not doing a good job. That's bottom line. He was not doing a good job. And I wanted him to do a good job because he was probably a college student or something. He probably needed everything that he could get. And I I wanted to reward him. And so I was a little frustrated. And I I remember thinking this to myself. Now, let, let me say something before I tell you what I thought. Every time I tell an illustration, I'm I'm hoping that you're getting ahead of me. I I hope that you're understanding and you're seeing the analogy of why I'm giving the illustration. Uh, Okay? So, are you already ahead of me a little bit? That God is a rewarder and He rewards for good Sir, Okay, all right. So, I wanted to reward this guy and I had this thought in my mind. If this guy just knew the ability I have to bless him. I mean, I, I make a good income. If he just knew, and I'm not in, in debt, and I'm not, I live below my means. I, I've got the funds to to give him a good tip, you know, on this meal. If he just knew the ability I have to bless him, and if he knew the desire that I have, that I really want to, it would probably change his behavior. He, he would probably be serving me a little differently. And as soon as I had that thought, the Lord said to me, that's the problem with my people. Number one, they really don't believe that I have the ability to bless them. Now, we all say that we do. But really, most of us, our faith is limited to our resources. We don't understand that God has unlimited resources and can bless us in limitless ways. We really don't. We really limit God to our job and our salary. I even have had people tell me before, you know, you know, you talk about this faith and you talk about stepping up financially, but I'm on a fixed income or or I'm on a a limited, I'm on a salary and and I've never gotten these things that you talk about. Listen, what you've done in your mind is you have limited God's ability to bless you by your own resources. And you really don't believe this verse that says God is able. Can I tell you something? God can bless you apart from your jobs. He has not limited your job. He has not limited your resources. He's not limited your bank account. He is unlimited in all of His resources. God can bless you. I got a a letter. Uh, This week, people have been sending me some testimonies. A family here in the church gave last year to the miracle offering. And they said, we really believe when we gave that God would bless us, but not financially. We really believe that. Because, he said, I'm at a company, I've been there for years, and we're on a raise freeze right now. And the whole company knows it, and they're laying off people. No raises, and they're laying people off. You just want to keep your job. And so we prayed about it and God really stretched us in our faith to give and we decided we're going to give this amount anyway even though God is not going to be able to bless us financially back. He'll probably bless us in other ways. He'll bless our marriage and He'll bless the kids and He'll bless our health. So we're going to go ahead and be obedient, but we don't expect you know, for God to be able to bless us financially. Gives the miracle offering on Sunday, Monday morning. Goes in, his boss calls him in and says, I know that we're in a a raise freeze around here, but we just have the strongest impression to give you a 12% raise. And you're the only one in the company. And he said, I really don't even know why we're doing this. God is not limited. Are are, are you following me? God is able. God is able. That's what we've got to pick up. All right, let's go back now. Verse 8. And God is able... To make all grace, how much grace? All grace abound. You know what abound means? That means more than enough. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you... Now watch how God throws in all these words. Always. Always. In other words, not most of the time. Not if the economy is good not if the stock market goes up, God's ability to bless me is not dependent upon the economy. God's economy is always up. It's never down. Always, 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 watch this, having all sufficiency in all things. Now, we've seen the word all three times in here. And some of you have been here for a while, so you know what I'm about to say. Some of you haven't been here for a while. But you're going to learn. And what does the Greek word for all really mean? All. That's correct. it It just means more if you quote the Greek. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, now watch this, may have an abundance for every good work. Not some good works. For every good work. And you're not going to have to give out of your sufficiency. You're going to be able to give out of your abundance. That's what that verse says. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You ought to memorize that verse. And say it over and over and over until it gets down inside of you. God is able to do this. This this is the Word of God. God wants to bless us. Now, we're going to talk about a principle that we haven't talked about yet in the blessed life. And that's called sowing and reaping. It is a very, very simple principle in Scripture, but most believers don't believe it. It has been misapplied and it has been misunderstood for years. And so we're going to talk about it. It's very simple. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. We talked last week. And we read it in Matthew 7 and Luke 6. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's the same thing. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, you give God the measure to bless you. Let me say it another way. You give God the the amount to bless you with. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, if you give with a teaspoon, then God can give it back to you as quickly as He can with a teaspoon. Because with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Use a tablespoon, great. God now has a tablespoon to get it back to you. Use a shovel, God has a shovel. If you use a snow shovel, God has a snow shovel. If you use a pickup truck, God has a pickup truck. If you use a dump truck, God has a dump truck. Whatever measure you use. In other words, in the direct proportion to the amount you give is in direct proportion to the amount you receive back. That's that's how simple sowing and reaping is. It's the same way if you sow one sack of seed or a hundred sacks of seed. There's the crop right there. This is a law of nature that God set up that you cannot break. You, You can't break this. This is, this is the way it is in, in, in all of nature. You sow one sack, you get back the, the, the crop from that. You sow ten sacks, you get back bigger harvest. You sow a hundred, you get back a larger harvest. This is what it means. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Now, look at verse 8 again. It's very important that we see two words in here because this is where the test comes for every one of us. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always... Having all sufficiency, now what's the word sufficiency, in all things may have an abundance, look at the word abundance, for every good work. Now listen to me, sufficiency and abundance. This is the test for every one of us. In other words, first of all, will God meet my needs? Will what I have be sufficient? Will what I, what I'm putting back for retirement, is that going to be sufficient when I need it? What we have in the bank right now, is that sufficient? What The the income that I'm making right now, is this going to be sufficient? Is God going to take what I have? Am I going to have enough to make it? Am I going to have enough to be able to get by, just barely get by or what? That's sufficiency. And then the other test is abundance. When we get a little extra, we get tested with abundance. I I don't know if you've um, noticed this. And, And by the way, you can call these two temptations need and greed. We get tempted with a need where will we, will, will God meet our needs? And we get tempted with greed. You ever notice when people get a little extra money, they normally don't save it. And they normally don't give it. They normally spend it. Is that right? Get a little extra money. And this is how we justify it. Now I can buy something that I've really been needing. New golf clubs. I mean, I have really been needing, see, and we put a lot of things in the category of need that actually don't go in that category. This is the test. Look at this scripture, Proverbs 30. Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Two requests before I die. Number one, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Number two, give me neither poverty nor Riches. And then he explains why neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God? You see the two temptations? This is what the psalmist is saying here. There are two temptations on this earth. If I have more than enough, I might forget about God. If I don't have enough, I might profane the name of God and steal. This is where we're all tested. And what verse 8 says is God will give you all sufficiency, not only meet all your needs, but He will give you all abundance as well. And He'll give you an abundance, why? For every good work. God will not only meet our needs, but He's also going to meet our desires. Debbie and I um, are in the process of buying a new home right now. And we're praying about the miracle offering also coming up. And I have have very seldom ever had the battle that I've been going through right now because we're buying a home without selling the other one. And I normally don't do that, but we we knew it was the Lord. And I know the Lord is stretching me in my faith. I I live below my means. So for me to do something like that, I'm okay to do it. And the reason I'm okay is because I live way below my means, see. But I don't like it. Everyone has a comfort level. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But everyone has a comfort level. You get below a hundred dollars, they get uncomfortable in the bank. You get below a thousand, they get uncomfortable. You get below some people. You get below six million, they get uncomfortable. You know, wherever your comfort level is, well, God's been stretching me. And so Demi and I were talking about two figures, two amounts to give. One, you know, lower than the other. One higher than another. And so, and all of a sudden it just hit me. I thought, what am I doing? If I'm going to make a mistake in giving. Make it on the on the on the generous side. God's always taking care of me, but all of a sudden, because of what I'm where I am right now, I've been thinking, and this is what I'm really thinking: Is God going to take care of me? Is God going to take care of my needs? See, this is where we all get tested. Uh, let me show you a scripture in the Old Testament, First Kings seventeen. This is all about Elijah. It said the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land now i just i don't want us to go past this first of all these birds didn't just bring him bread out of a trash can somewhere you know they brought him meat somehow they got, they brought him meat every morning and every evening here's the point god has hundreds of ways of taking care of his people he, he can have a bird bring it to you if he knows it's He'll take care of you. He'll meet our needs. Then he drinks from this brook, and because there's a famine in the land, there's a drought, the brook dries up. So you know what he does then? He sends him to a widow who only has one meal left. She said, my son and I are going to eat this one meal, and then we're going to die. This is all we have left. And he said, "We'll make just make the meal, and there will be enough. And he stayed there many, many months. And they kept eating on the one meal. The flour never ran out. And the oil never ran out. And then He sends him to another place. And this is what happens at the other place. 1 Kings 19. It says, Then as He lay and slept under a broom tree. Now in the Hebrew, that's a tree that, tree that they make brooms out of. I'm just kidding. i see if you'd believe it if I said it was in the Hebrew. Alright. Suddenly... An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his hand, now watch carefully, was a cake. A cake. This is the first angel food cake. (laughs) Was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. A jar. a, A jar of water. God had an angel bring it to him and a jar of water so he ate and drank and lay down again. God's going to meet our needs. So we don't need to worry about our meeting our needs. But what about, and, and, and the, Satan tempts us with grief, but what about desires? What about desires that we have? We all have desires. Well, I've got good news for you. Listen to me. It's okay to have desires. It's not unspiritual if you have desires. It's okay. God knows that a woman has a desire for a nice home. Do you know how God knows that? Because God invented women. (laughs) There were no women until God invented a woman. And God put the desire in her to have a nice home. And let me tell you something, ladies. That is not a bad desire. There's nothing impure or wrong about that. And God knows that a man has a desire to have a good job and provide for his family. How does God know that? Because God invented... No, we're using the word invented tonight. Invented men. God put that desire in men. He knows that we have that desire. It's okay. Listen to me. It's also okay for you to have the desire to bless your children. Guess where you got that one from? God. God has the desire to bless His children. It's okay to want to send your children to college. It's okay to prepare to do these things. It's okay. It's all right to have desires. They're not all evil. They're not all wrong. It's okay to want to do, have good things as long as our heart doesn't go after those things. But here's the point. I want to tell you. God not only cares about meeting your needs, He cares about your desires too. He is a good Father and wants to bless you. And He wants to give you good things. And God will bless your even your desires. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, according to the Scripture, then He will give us the desires of our heart. Obviously, the key is delighting ourselves in the Lord. But most of us are doing that. So the desires that we have, God will bless us. Not only So God will not only take care of our needs, He'll also take care of our desires. He'll take care of our wants. He'll take care of not all of our wants. You know, new golf clubs sometimes He doesn't take care of. But He takes care of our needs and He takes care of our wants and it's okay to have those wants. It's okay to want to provide for your family in the future. Now most of us know that God's going to take care of our needs. Most of us Have no fear of starving to death. Would you agree with that? Most of us just don't lie awake at night wondering if we're going to starve to death. And if we are lying awake at night, we'll probably go in and fix a little something and we'll be okay. Some of us even have a little hump, you know, like a camel. We could probably live two or three. All right, we'll just stay off of that. But you know what we have a problem trusting God with? Our desires. If I give this money to the church, will I be able to take care of my kids like I want to? If I give this money to the church, will we be able to buy a new home when we want to move? If I give this money to the church and the economy goes down, will I be okay to be able to provide for my family? Maybe thanks think's asking the old question. All the what-ifs come from the enemy. Every one of them. All the what-ifs, what if? what if? what if? what if? What if. See, we're going to have to come to the place that we trust God. God, I trust You that You're not going to fall off the throne and that You'll still provide for me next week no matter what the economy does. And that You'll not only provide my needs, but You'll provide some of my desires as well because You're a good God and You're a good Father. Now, look at verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 10 says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, this is the the, the God provides all of our needs, but he also provides an abundance for every good work, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 10, Now may God, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, listen, God provides bread he provides seed for bread, but he also provides seed to sow. And he provides it to the sower, not the keeper. It says, now, may he who supplies seed to the sower, not the keeper of the seed. Think about a farmer and he's got one sack of seed. He could take that one sack of seed and he could grind the whole thing up, make make food out of it, eat it, and then just hope that someone's going to give him another sack when that's like, when all that food's gone. Or, he could take part of the sack and make food out of it and take part of it and sow it. And if he takes part of that sack and sows it, how much better off is he going to be down the road? Now listen to me carefully. God's talking about investing in his work. See, this is where it takes faith. It's one thing to invest our money in, in, in a worldly investment, something on this earth, and hope that it does well. And then It's another thing to put it in the church and not be able to see it. And to trust that according to God's Word, that's sowing. That's what the Bible calls sowing. When we we put it to every good work. Some of our seed is for bread, but some of it is to sow. Now, I'm going to give you three principles about sowing and reaping, right? Three principles about seed. And they're real simple, but we've got to understand these. Number one, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You will not sow corn and reap Wheat. It won't happen. It's an impossibility. You will not sow uh, rice and and reap apples. It's just not going to happen. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. This is the law of nature again, All right? So, it's real simple. If you sow money, what are you going to reap? Money. And it is so hard, it was even hard for you Christians to say that word. (laughs) You can't say money in church. you know. See, that's the way we think. This is a principle, though, with God. If you give apples, you get back apples. You give oranges, you get back oranges. You give money, you get back money. And that's what this couple was sharing with me in the letter. We gave money, but we didn't think we'd get it back. Now, God does bless us in many ways because He's able to make all grace abound toward us. All grace. But we're talking about the principle of sowing and reaping. And whatever we sow, that is what we're going to reap. Can you imagine a farmer standing in a field that he planted corn in, and he's standing in the middle, now he planted corn, and he's waiting for wheat to come up? Would you call that foolishness? Foolishness, right? Whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. The reason that some people have never reaped money Two reasons. Number one, they haven't sown it consistently. And number two, they've sown it sparingly. It's very simple. Because if you tell me that you've sown bountifully and you haven't reaped bountifully, then I've got a problem. Because God says if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. One of you is not telling the truth. And I'm sorry, but this is the one that saved me. Jesus, so I'm going to have to believe what He said. If people, if we've not reaped, then we've sown sparingly or we've sown inconsistently. But there is the understanding that whatever we sow, that is what we're going to reap. Proverbs 11:24. 24, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. There is one who scatters, who sows, and he increases. He increases. There's one who withholds more than what is right, and it leads to poverty. This, this principle is all through Scripture. There's just a few verses. It's all through Scripture. I was preaching in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana one time and preaching on, on giving. And there was a guy there who'd been in a car wreck the week before, and he was in a wheelchair. They said he would be in the wheelchair about three to six months, and then he would be on crutches. But his entire recovery time would take about a year. It'd be one year before he'd go back to work. His truck was totaled. It was a, an older truck. It was worth about $2,000. He didn't have any insurance on it. And so when I preached on giving, I said, I want you to just give wherever God tells you to give. Give wherever God tells you to give other than give to me. I, when I used to travel in evangelism and preach, I always preached on giving the last night after they'd already received the love offering. And I told the pastors, I'm going to preach on giving, but no one can give to me. And I've done this for 20 years now. So I said, you can give anywhere you want, but you can't give to me, you know. Just do whatever God tells you to. Well, people began to go, go up, the guy sat in a wheelchair, and just give him money. And they gave other people money. They gave the church money, you know. And he got home, and he counted it. It was exactly $2,000. Not, not 2001 or 1994, exactly 2000 And so he thought, well, Lord, you provided, because there was a truck down the street for sale for 2000 kind of like his. You provided. And the Lord said, uh no, that's not what I want you to do this night. He said, Well what do you want me to do? He and the Lord he said I'm beginning to write. And the Lord gave him twenty people to give hundred dollars each to. And he said, I want you to give every bit of it away. He said, Lord, that you provided though. You know sometimes God doesn't make sense to us. So he said, Okay, Lord, I'll do that. So the next night and we're, uh, we're, we extended the meeting, by the way. We kept going and going and going. This is the one that lasted three weeks. And, uh, pe- and it, the main thing was giving that got people set free. And we were having people saved night, and I was preaching on giving. And so the next night, he starts going around and giving the $100 to the 20 people there. You know what was amazing? All 20 of them were there. Isn't that amazing? That God knows. Well, we left then And after we left, the following Sunday after we left, a guy came to his house, drove up in his driveway with a brand new truck. And he said, God told me to bring this truck to you and to pray for you. And you're going to be healed tonight while you sleep. And when you get up in the morning, you're going to drive this truck to work. And he prayed for him. He went to bed and he got up. And he was healed. And he drove the truck to work the next day. See, God has big things in mind. If we'll just obey the small promptings, God is not going to shout at you about the miracle offering. Let me just let all of you know that right now. God is not going to push you into giving. He's going to speak to you very softly and hope that you obey. So you reap what you sow. Here's the second principle. You reap after you sow. I know these are real simple, but you can't imagine how many people think that one day they're going to get a lot of money, and then they're going to be givers. Now, can you imagine, remember we talked about a farmer, he's standing in the field, he planted corn, but he's waiting for wheat to grow up. We all said, oh, that's foolishness. Okay, in the the field beside him is another farmer, he's standing in the field, and he didn't plant anything in it, but he's waiting for a crop to come up. Uh, That's even more foolish, isn't it? (laughs) Now think about, it. come on, a farmer, standing in the field, and you say, what are you, what are you expecting to come up? Corn and wheat and barley, and that's what I'm expecting to come up. Well, did you plant any of that? No, i just expecting a harvest. Did you sow anything? No, didn't sow anything at all, just expecting a harvest. But you know what? As soon as I get it, I'm going to start sowing. I'm telling you, come on, I, I've been doing this for a while. People have been telling me for years, as soon as we get some, we'll start giving you will never get it. You say, well, I don't have very much to give. You don't have to have very much. <laughs> That's the great thing about God. The widow only had two mites, two little pennies to give. But she sowed it, and she sowed it out of a pure heart. See, you don't have to have a lot. You just have to start wherever you are. Wherever you are, you have to start sowing. And this is the principle. You reap after you sow. You are not going to reap before you sow. This is a very, very simple principle. We have to sow first, and then we reap. Have you ever heard that saying, it takes money to make money? Well, in a way, that's true. Because it takes corn to make corn. It takes wheat to make wheat. You've got to have something to plant. But you don't have to have a lot. You just have to plant a little bit, and you'll get more back. Then you've got to be faithful to sow more. And then you get more back, then you've got to be faithful to sow more. I have a friend of mine that was making $37,500 a year. That's his annual salary. And he started his company. And he was praying and asking God to bless his company. And the Lord said, well, let me tell you what I bless. I bless Sowing. And he's praying, God, please bless my company. And the Lord just kind of, have you ever had the Lord interrupt you? You know, when you're praying and you've got a really good prayer going. And the Lord interrupts you and the Lord said, let me just tell you what I bless. I bless Sowing. And the Lord said to him, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You start giving 15% and I'll double your income. Raise your giving by 5%, I'll double your income. Now, he could have said, well, Lord, if you'll double my income, then I'll increase my giving. See, it doesn't work that way with God. We have to step out first. So he said, okay, Lord. So that year he gave 15% and he made $75,000. The next year he gave 20% and made $150,000. I know this man. Matter of fact, he's in our church. <laughs> the next year he gave 25% and made $300,000. The next year he gave 30% and made $600,000. The next year he gave 35% and made $1.2 million. Right now he gives 40% of his income reward. 40%. If he wants to buy an automobile for $40,000, he has to make about 130 dollars to do that. Because once he pays taxes and gives 40%, you understand what I'm saying? But do you know what? He loves it. He loves it. This is a guy that looks for places to give. How many of us would love to live there? But he had to step out first. So you reap after you sow. Here's the third principle. You reap more than you sow. It's real simple. You reap more than you sow. Two kernels of corn produce one stalk. Two kernels. Each stalk has three to four ears of corn. Each ear of corn has 1,200 to 1,600 kernels. Okay, the point here is you're eating more than you sow. Follow this. Two kernels produce three ears of corn. Each ear has 1,200 to 1,600 kernels. God is a pretty good multiplier, isn't he? So you've got three to four ears of corn on one stalk. You could eat all of them and then hope somebody gives you some next week. Or you could eat some of them and just plant the rest. That's what it is. It's it's the same thing. See, how can we understand in the natural, not understand in the spiritual? It takes faith, and we plant, and when we plant in the kingdom, then we're going to reap. This is what sowing and reaping is all about. The harvest is completely dependent on how much you sow. This is what we started. Here's where we started. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I was in uh, Costa Rica preaching at a Bible school. Cristo Mundo, Christ for the World. And uh, there was a Bible student there that was uh, working for a peanut farmer. That's all he did. He, He went to Bible school and he worked all the time whenever he could for a peanut farmer. And every Friday at this Bible school, they had bless another day. He was trying to put in them the principles of giving. And he told them, now next every Friday, you bring something to give to another student, whatever student God tells you to. You bring a pair of shoes, you bring a pencil, you you bring uh, a candy bar, you bring a quarter, you know, you bring whatever you have, you bring and give it to another student. Every Friday is bless another day, and you pray and ask God. And they had all these amazing testimonies. You know, about someone needing the coat, someone needing a pair of shoes, and it was the exact size, and all these things. So this student said, Lord, what can I give? And he thought the only thing I could give would be a peanut. And so he went to the owner of the peanut farm and said, can I buy one peanut a week? Would you take a peanut out of my wages? And this guy actually deducted the amount of one peanut from his salary every week. And so he took and gave a peanut, and then he gave another peanut, and then you know what? The Lord started blessing this guy, and he became an overseer of the, a supervisor in the peanut farm. So he started saying, "Would you take? Would you deduct a sack of peanuts out of my uh, wages?" And God kept blessing, him and kept blessing. Him. At the end of that first semester, he had enough money that he paid the tuition for not only himself, he was on a scholarship, but for one other student. At the end of his first year of Bible college, God had blessed him, and now he was over a whole farm of peanuts for this guy, and he paid his tuition and the tuition for ten other students. On the day he graduated from Bible school, he bought the peanut farm, and the next semester when it started, he scholarshiped 100 students. You know why? Because you reap what you sow. All they had was peanuts. Now all he's got is peanut farms. <laughs> and a lot of joy. You reap more than. You gotta start sowing. I want to encourage you. Give. Trust the Lord.